You're listening to Ember Weekend, your weekly recap of all things Ember. This is episode 60. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. We're here to keep you in the Ember Run Loop. We're broadcasting from Hashrocket HQ, and this week's episode is called Module Impossible. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the module reunification RFC. And uh, the reason uh, we're both excited about this, and uh, we have quite a bit of notes, so hopefully this won't be a, a forever episode, but... Uh, uh, the reason we're excited about this is because uh, there has been a lot of movement on it and uh, some really great talks, uh, one from Robert Jackson that we're going to be focusing on today, uh, and we promised it before we went on uh, on to do the training last week and, and missed last, uh, episode 60 should have happened last uh, last week, so uh, it's good to be back in the uh, in the saddle and, and, and getting this underway. This is definitely some good content to kick off episode 60. Um, I'm really excited about this. Uh, the um, pods, as you know, is kind of like... Uh, evolved into this this new module unification that we talked about. We're going to go over all of the kind of like weird things that pods had going on and why there's a need to move to a different type of module system that's no longer called pods, um, but is kind of inspired by it. Yeah. So, so I mean, the, the biggest problem here, uh, the reason that this is necessary is because there's two ways to do something in Ember, uh, two conventions, whole sweeping sets of conventions around how to structure your application. There's the classic style uh, which uh, was inherited from Rails, and then there's Pods, which was uh, created in 2014 in like based off of a very shady document, uh, which Robert outlined in his talk. Uh, that wasn't very specific, so there's a lot of edge cases, and uh, there was a little too much, um, too much variation. So uh, basically, people think that Pods were like the the correct direction, but not necessarily the correct implementation. So w- what's wrong with Pods? Um, I think the, the, the first thing is that uh, it's inconsistent. So there's too many ways for you to do things. It's, uh, it's also uh, not portable. So different pods can't be moved without uh, doing a lot of work, a lot of file renaming. Uh, and that's pretty frustrating. Yeah, and the other thing is that the, um, the data and the UI end up getting kind of uh, put together in the same place, even though they don't really belong. Um, so m- most of these points are actually coming from uh, Robert Jackson's talk uh, that he gave at Ember NYC. Um, and one of the ones that um, I totally, uh, I was thinking of this right before you said it, is that the one thing that I hated, hated about, the one thing I didn't like about pods was that um, if you have a model like post, um, that's going to live in with all the other post, you know, templates and things like that, the route. Um, but it's data. It doesn't really belong in with all the UI logic. And uh, and this is actually something that the the new module unification uh, RFC fixes, which I'm I'm really grateful for. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and then uh, so 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 the separation of the UI and data that's really important because for instance the post model could be used uh, by something that's not a post route, uh, which is not uncommon at all. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely that's a, that's a great solution. Uh, one of the other problems is that add-ons uh, that are used within an application have to follow the same file structure. So if you're using pods, you have to have your add-on in pods, and if you're using classic, you have to write your add-on in classic. Uh, and these 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 are the real problems with pods right now. Uh, there's just some inconsistencies, naming conflicts, and and some other things, and a lot of things uh, have been addressed in the module unification RFC, and we're gonna kind of outline just a few of them. Um, I think we're gonna start off with uh, talking about uh, the unified constraints. So in uh, Robert Jackson's talk, he outlines um, a set of uh, kind of guidelines that they're trying to follow as they're coming up with these module unification changes. And uh, the first one is, reasonable branching factor, which is basically that you shouldn't have to traverse down like 100 directories to get to the file you're trying to get. And it should be 
at least it should be easy to reason about and for you to, to think about the nesting. So it should be make, you know, kind of common sense, uh, however easy that is to, you know, solidify on. Uh, but also it should, you know, you shouldn't have to go down too many directories. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is actually one of the ones that really struck me as like one of the key problems is, uh, is say you have a project drawer, if you're using sublime text, I personally use Vim, so it's not typically that big of a deal, but if you're using something like sublime and you, you start expanding these folders, you're like, Oh, well, I want to go to the foo route. And then I want to, Oh, I want to see the foo template and I want to see the foo controller. Well, now you've just expanded, uh, and, and if these are nested, you've expanded quite a bit. Uh, three different directories rather than, so you've, you've had to branch several times just to get all of the relevant files for the thing that you care about. Um, so pulling that together, and that's one of the, the solutions that Pod actually brought forth, but now we're trying to establish better pack practices around that. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so subtrees should be relocatable. Uh, so anytime you move a section, you should be able to you should be able to change it without uh, having to re-architect the, the directory and the file names. You should be able to just move it and, oh, here it goes. It works now over here and I changed one thing and everything works. Uh, and then we really want with the unification thing to have like low cognitive overhead uh, when adding files. So no more like having a bunch of different ways to do the same thing. Instead, having the way. You're not, you're not going to typically kind of stray too far from this way. So you don't have to think too much. So it's really just leaning in more, more heavily into the convention, convention over configuration style. And that's just, you know, let me, let me make sure that we have good patterns to make sure that uh, the developers don't have to think too much about uh, trivial decisions. And another good thing about this is the, uh, the idea of moving the tests into the same folders of the things that they're testing. Um, because tests typically do go along with like one file unless they're like an acceptance test. So if you're doing a unit test, for a service, it should live right there by the service for uh, maybe even an acceptance test. You're generally testing a route. You could just have that right next to the the route that it belongs to. Yeah, integration um, tests as well. That would be perfect for integration tests. Yeah, an integration test right next to the components. Um, so not you know not in the same file, but you know right there by it. And that makes it so that if you're looking at a thing and you're trying to figure out where is the test for this, one, it's right there. Also, you can tell there is no test for this because it's not here. I don't see it. It's very easy to to you know reason about how how much test coverage you have um, just by glancing at the the folder. Yeah, and that's something that pods don't have right now. So if you look in a pod structure now, you're like, oh, well, I have all the files. This is great. Everything, I just click, boom, I have the file drawer open. All of my things are in the same spot. But then you're like, oh, well, where's the test? And now you have to like go away and like, you, you know, you're back into that. Let me, let me go and find whatever directory the test is in. And you're kind of back in the same boat. I mean, it's a little bit better because they're still segmented together. But um, yeah, you still run into the same problem. Yeah, and um, along with uh, the kind of the uh, add-on story, uh, there's this need for uh, these components to have local or what they call relative lookup. So if you refer to a component that has the same name as another component, it will first use the one that's closest to the one, you know, the template that invoked it. So if you have a component that, you know, only exists in the post route, maybe you say it's like navbar, and you have one navbar that's used uh in this like in this template in this component but another navbar used in like profile page or something um they'll first use the one local to them you don't have to use this absolute path to get down into it and, like drill down into you know like post slash you know uh component slash navbar yeah which which this solves uh this this actually makes that relocatable uh section a little bit more relocatable so now you can really move things over and since their their lookups are relative when you move the folder everything just works and it just, it's, it's like, it should just work TM, you know, like trademarked, whatever. Uh, and, and that's, that's a really powerful thing that, uh, is going to be 
I don't know, really, really cool. And I think that they've have a really good idea of the direction that need that the, that CLI needs to go to make this possible. And, uh, one of the other things this also provides is that once, once we've all kind of like unified on, uh, the way of doing things, uh, they'll be able to build in things into the CLI to, uh, statically analyze the folders and files that you've written and like say the extensions. So, uh, one of the things in Ember that's hard, especially for a beginner is when they say, create a template in a folder and they go to render it. And for some reason it doesn't show up, but they have no idea why. And so you're just moving this folder around and maybe renaming it. Cause you don't really know where it belongs or why it's not being picked up. It'd be really great if the CLI could throw an error and say, um, your routes say that you have this folder structure, um, but you have a file here that doesn't really belong because we know that your routes wouldn't have let it even get hit at all. Um, or maybe it's just named with the wrong casing or, or a spell, a typo. I mean, anything, it could be, it could be any, anything they could, they could warn you about, uh, about where things go because there's only one way for it to go. Right. And, um, and you know, so it'd be really great if the CLI can give you a bunch of these hints and that's kind of where, um, this is headed is the CLI really warning you about, um, you know, being able to give you some advice about where things should be, where mistakes happen. Um, so you don't spend all that time kind of, you know, just moving things around and hoping that you get it in the right place. Yeah. And, and before we move on to, uh, kind of like some of the rules and the structure around this that we're going to go over, um, I just want to talk about maybe like some of the re- the rationale and some of the things that I'm excited about here is that this is going to be the first time, uh, and I talked to, I talked to Robert about this. Uh, this is going to be the first time that there is a file system in CLI that's not inherited. That's not, uh, that, that is entirely the Ember solution. It's, uh, it's not, it's not half baked. It's like it went through the RFC process. It's going to be the Ember way. And uh, it's going to allow, it's going to open up a lot of doors and unlock a lot of features, but it's also going to be inherently kind of intrinsically the Ember way, which is really cool. Um, once again, the the classic style, which is what many of us uh, who've been writing Ember for, for any length of time, uh, pretty much cut our teeth on, uh, that classic way is kind of inherited just from Rails. And that that's good, right? So there were some good things here, but... I mean, none of us really think about type then thing. We usually think about thing then type. Uh, so like, there's just a lot of like things that don't necessarily translate uh, from Rails to Ember because Ember has different concepts about how, for instance, UI needs to be uh, handled versus you know the model layer and stuff. So this is like trying to encapsulate, trying to allow CLI to more closely resemble the, the, the underlying structures that Ember wants to expose. So I think over time we're going to find that that these these new concepts around just the file system is going are, are it's going to help new people uh, understand the primitives of Ember better. So I'm really excited about that. I'm I'm excited about teaching uh, teaching this to new people and not having to like explain. Oh yeah, well uh, go over here in this folder because that's how we do it and this whatever, and just be able to say oh no 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 check it out when you go to this route these objects are, are instantiated and they all live right here. Here you go. Just take a look at them. These are the objects that, that get uh, get created. And being able to see that when I do Ember G uh, resource foo, seeing all the files and like having them all be in the same place and be a little bit easier to reason about. I think that's going to be a really powerful teaching tool um, along with like the practical things that we're, we're outlining a little bit. So the next thing we're going to go over is just kind of the file structure, just a uh, high level, uh, because it's really going to be hard to explain, you know, over audio, uh, what a file structure looks <laughs> like. Um, so we're just going to list like, some of the top level directories that exist and like how, how those are sort of nested um, to give you just a, a, a general idea. 
Yeah, and, and, and luckily, Robert, uh, Robert and the RFC kind of outlined three major rules that we're going to go through. The first idea is that Ember is moving to a source directory instead of an app directory. And this really isn't uh, some kind of like um, crazy computer science-y term. It's really just because the app name conflict, uh, it, for reverse compatibility, it's better to just change the name. And then you can know that source means you're using the new module system and app means you're using the old module system. Um, so don't put you know too much thought into why it's called source versus app. Um, but just, you know, know that that's the reason why it's there. I, I think, I, I suspect that maybe at some point in the, in the far distant future, they'll kind of bring source back into the fold as app. Um, but it'll at least be past three, right? I mean, if they ever do it, they would have to do it, um, in another major re release, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I would think so. Uh, there, in with some of the stuff we'll, we'll talk about here, it's possible that you could just move the ability to have app, uh, nested that way into like an add-on and then just, oh yeah, yeah. And, and so maybe you just take your entire app folder and just throw it in source or something and you could yeah. migrate your app piecemeal or something. But yeah, maybe like a next major version, you'd have to opt out of naming it source versus app and, yeah, and I, like basically flip it. Yeah, I, I know in the beginning they were talking about having an add-on that would allow you to opt into having the new module system. So probably when they when they migrate away, it'll be the opposite. And you'll have to have an add-on to opt out of it. Right. Um, and then eventually you'll you know be able to do, everybody should kind of settle in on having the same structure and at that point, it really won't matter whether it's source or app. So, um, so the first the first rule um, that we're going to go over is just this the simple rule of uh, you know having something at the root level inside of source. Um, and basically, all that means is that you're going to have a type of thing. And so, the very easy one to think about is source router. Um, so this is obviously the the normal router that lives in app router. Um, and so this this rule is the the most basic one. If you see something at a root level that is source like say app.js or I think they have one that's like main.js or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, those are just basically saying these are gonna be named the type. Right, right. Uh, and, and this is this is the most simple rule. Uh, it's the one that has, the, has no like real deviations from it. Uh, so we're gonna basically just keep moving. Uh, the router goes uh, flat with source. I think that's the, that's the biggest one. Um, but you, you probably won't see this rule get uh, augmented later very much. Uh, that's not the case with rule three or even with rule two, uh, two a little bit, um, but let's talk about rule two. So rule two uh, introduces a couple of new concepts. Um, it introduces the concept of a collection, a namespace, a name, and then a type. So once again, we, we've already talked about a router being a type. So it's just source slash router. That's uh, source slash type. Uh, that's rule one. Rule two introduces collection, namespace, and name. So you say source slash collection, and we're going to talk about which different types of collections there are. But for this uh, use case, we'll just talk about routes. Um, so one collection is, uh, and the collection is uh, is UI slash routes. Uh, that's a collection. Uh, and then and then you have your namespace, which is like uh, your your. In, for instance, in, in a route example, the namespace is like posts. So say it's nested, or um, and then your name, which would be like post. Uh, so this is the post route, uh, and then, uh, you have your type, which is a route, a type of route. So the collection in this case, um, it's, uh, source UI routes, posts, post route JS. And that, uh, the collection is UI routes, the namespace is posts, uh, plural, and that's, uh, that's opt-in. So, uh, it's kind of whatever you want it to be. Uh, and then name, which is, uh, the actual name of the, of the thing you're creating. And then the type, which is a type of route. So this is a route file. Uh, similarly, the same path with the exception of type will be where you put your template. So you will have uh, UI, a source UI routes posts post template.hbs. 
and uh, and so on. Uh, so we've introduced a new concept to the collection. The namespace and the name are pretty self-explanatory, but the collection is uh, there's I think there's nine types of collection. Is that right, Chase? Yeah, there's a uh, there's basically nine. Uh, it has to do with how many top level things you can have. So think of like inside of source, you have uh, what we're talking about here is all the UI things. They have like data and whatever, and then there's some nested things. So basically, there's about nine things. Right, and we're going to go over that in just a second. But that's rule two. So rule two is um, source slash collection slash namespace slash name slash type. And it <laughs> sounds it sounds crazy when we talk about it on on air, but when you look at it, it's very very simple. Um, uh, we'll we'll post to the we'll post to the RFC, uh, and I believe uh, I believe there's a there's an actual section that shows um, shows rule two uh, in more clarity. But uh, the the real new concept is uh, you have collections, so types of things. Um, so there's UI routes, um, things like data slash models. That's that is a collection. So you can have uh, multiple um, models. So there's a collection. That's so source slash data slash uh, models is a um, well data slash models is the actual collection name, um, but it lives at source um, collection. So uh, so yeah, there's collection. We're gonna talk about this in a second, but uh, we're gonna go into rule three real fast. And there's actually two rules. So Chase, you want to take over rule three, a yeah. So I mean, rule three is, is conceptually, it's kind of the same as rule two. Um, just the idea is that the, the type is inferred. Um, so it's, it's based off of like where it is. So in this case, it's like, so you're, let's think about an Ember data model. So that's going to now live in source slash data slash models slash, and then the name of the thing. So if you, in this case, we have an author, so it's author JS. Um, so when you, when you break that path down, um, the collection is data slash models. So notice that the collections are like, um, can be nested paths. Not all of them are, but um, the idea is that there's data slash models. There's also like a data slash transforms, uh, which we'll go into. Um, so then the name of the thing is author because your file was called author.js. Um, but it's inferred because it's inside the models folder that the type of this is a model. Um, there's a variation of this path and that's the, the 3B. So there's a variation to this where you might want, uh, say your, your your Ember data model has a test. Um, so you wouldn't want to put like the test alongside all the other models. So what you, what all the other models that have nothing to do with it. So what you end up with is uh, say like source data models, authors now a folder and then a slash and then everything that has to do with authors in there. So the so instead of having an author JS, you have a model JS. Um, but then the test for that just becomes test.js. Um, and you might have other things that have to do with that that all live in that in that structure, depending on what Ember data you know, wants to define around models. Right, right. And that, and those are really the, the main rules. So the rules can actually be pretty easily understood with just a few examples. And and I and I want to stress that these these things they seem kind of intimidating at first, but once you see them in practice, they're they're actually pretty straightforward. Um and the 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 collections, going back to the collection concept, uh, the different types of collections are um data slash models uh for for your models, data slash transforms for your transforms. Uh, and then, uh, then there's a UI sub sub thing, and it's a UI slash components and UI slash routes, uh, which is where your routed uh, components and routes and templates go. Uh, and then there's the init uh, initializers and init slash in instance initializers, and that's uh, those are both collections. And then there's a utils collection and a services collection. So flat against source, you're ever you're, the only things you're ever going to see flat against source is data, UI, init, utils, and service. And then inside of data, you're going to see models and transforms. Inside of UI, you're going to see components and routes. Inside of init, you're going to see initializers and instance initializers. And all of these things, once again, once you see them, 
they're really, really straightforward. Um, there's not a whole lot of things that you're going to see that will shock you. The, the only thing that, uh, surprised me is I ran the, uh, I ran the migrator that Robert created against Ember weekend. And we actually have a route in Ember weekend called UI and, uh, and they are using UI as a type of this collection. And it really threw me off thinking like, Oh, why is my route for a UI here? And not, but it was actually, everything was nested under UI like, properly. So, so don't name your routes UI. Um, if you right. don't want to be confused. Um, uh, yeah. So one of the other things, uh, just, just to mention this real quick is that the nesting of, uh, components. Um, so the UI slash components collection, um, that also includes helpers. So, and the way Robert explains this in the video is that helpers and components, like when you see them in a template being invoked, uh, you really have no idea unless the helper is only a single word, which is, you know, templates have to have a dash somewhere in them. Um, so you can kind of infer that, that, that might be a template. Um, but say you named them the same thing, you'd have no idea that they were different things. And since they can collide, like the names can have collisions, they're effectively the same thing. Um, so they kind of live together in the same place, which is great because now if you name them the same thing, you'll see them right there and the collision will actually be a file name collision. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things to basically customize this to your own, uh, your own heart's desire. Uh, and it's, and it's really neat. So yeah, so we've kind of uh, just uh, started really diving in, uh, and and I think there's there's just a there's a ton more information here uh, in the RFC, and it's really tightly packed, densely inf uh, dense information uh, that's that's super really helpful to to like get started. Um, so I really highly recommend uh, reading through the module RFC. We're gonna post our notes somewhere uh, because I think that this this kind of gives a neat neat uh, synopsis of at least the talk that Robert gave. Um, and maybe a little bit more of, uh, of our kind of, uh, idea on, on what's important here. Uh, but we want to talk really quickly about two things. One, uh, is the, the migrator script that you can use, uh, to, uh, try out to, to basically see what your app will look like in the new system. Uh, and, um, and it's tested really, really heavily against classic apps. Um, but they need help, uh, with, um, more pods examples because there's different variations of pods. So if you have a, an, an app that's running pods, it would be really helpful to try out the migrator, get a feel for, uh, for the different places things are going to exist. And then any edge cases that you run into or things that don't look right or seem strange, if you could report those, that would really help the process of like making sure that we have a good understanding of, of all of the edge cases that, uh, that, that crop up around pods, because I, I know pods are used heavily in larger teams. So there's usually a lot more complexity in bigger teams. So that would be really helpful. Uh, yeah, and just keep in mind that uh, this app won't boot. Um, so the, <laughs> this, will, this will put them in the right places, but the app won't boot. So don't report that the app isn't booting. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and what, what would happen here is when you do the migrator, uh, figure out any projections that you have, uh, try out, test out your fuzzy finders, uh, make sure that uh, none of your uh, none of your components are violating some of the, the component invocation rules, like starting with a slash. Um, any of that stuff, anything you see, uh, just report and, uh, and any of that will help a lot. So, uh, so definitely if you, if you have a minute, uh, it, not only will you get a chance to kind of preview the, the app structure, even while it's kind of still in flight, um, you'll, you'll get a, you'll get a chance to really help out with the, the, the process of, of allowing things to be automatically migrated. And, uh, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the roadmap and, uh, what's next. So, uh, these are, these are coming from Robert Jackson's talk again. Uh, the first thing you mentioned was, uh, implementing a unified resolver, um, which is basically already started. That's, um, uh, what him and, uh, Dan were working on, Dan Gebhardt, 
so they, they have a migrator um, and now they're working on building this uh, resolver. Uh, and basically what this will let them do is uh, try to figure out whether the structure that they're creating with this migrator, it's a migrator, uh, whether the structure they're creating with this migrator is actually going to work to be resolved. Um, sometimes it's easier to come up with a system in your head you think works and you've got to write the code that actually reads it in and you realize that there's ambiguities and stuff somewhere. So they're first going to start with that resolver. Yeah, and then they're going to work, uh, once they once they get the resolver ironed out, uh, once again, this is the roadmap. I think this is outlined uh, in the RFC somewhere. Um, once they get that done, they're going to start working on build tooling. And the build tooling is to do optimizations to make, uh, to make this stuff faster, um, there are talks about, um, doing some style things, which I'm not, I'm not hundred percent under, I don't think I understand it hundred percent, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of build tooling optimizations that need to happen, uh, to make this, uh, be really performant, uh, specifically with, uh, with the, um, you know, the Brock, making sure broccoli rebuilds are really fast. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's also making the runtime faster. So, uh, one of the things Robert was mentioning was that when you ask for a file, it has to look in like seven different places for it. When really it's something that can actually figure out when broccoli builds, it'll know when you ask her something that there's only two places it can exist, or you know because of where you're asking it from, it can only be in one place. Um, so there, what he's thinking about is that they would build some JSON file somewhere that would be like a you know a map for when you request this, it only exists here. So you can short circuit it and get some performance benefits from you know making re- resolutions happen faster. Definitely. And then the and then the last thing that we have uh, we have mentioned there's probably quite a bit more because uh, there's uh, this is a technical implementation. Uh, but the the last thing we have is uh, is uh, creating a an API for creating your own custom collection. So we mentioned earlier uh, that there's nine different types of uh, collections that are outlined in this RFC. But it would be nice if you could create your own type of collection, even in an add-on. So when you include this add-on, you get a new type of collection so that you can uh, you can write custom behavior around around this type of, of thing. So we can treat these different types of collections uh, differently. And that'll allow a lot more flexibility. Um, like something like Ember Data could make data slash models its own collection. And then that wouldn't have to be outlined in Ember CLI. So you can basically augment the, the module system uh, with this API. Yeah, that's actually what Robert was talking about was that Ember Data would probably have... Um, Everdata will probably use this API to create the structure for data, um, which other people could use too. He was mentioning, I don't know how, but um, but yeah, the idea is that da- the data folder is actually something Ember Data injected into Ember CLI. So that'd be pretty cool. So if you were using something like Orbit, um, you may not have that same structure. Right, and that's uh, that's super cool. That will allow a lot more flexibility, especially like that Orbit versus Data is a is a really good um, a really good example, I think, uh, for creating new mental models about this. Um, all in all though, uh, I'm super excited about this. I know we've been talking about doing a podcast on, on the module unification for quite some time. Um, so hopefully this kind of, uh, met some of the hype, uh, and, uh, hopefully this will get your feet wet for understanding kind of what's going on in the space, uh, and, uh, and maybe get you really excited about, uh, you know, the, the future of, uh, where Ember CLI is going. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, really, really hoping we can pull this into Ember Week and, pretty soon. Um, we've already ran the migrator and hopefully we can actually, you know, get this resolver in as soon as possible. Definitely. Definitely. Do you have any, uh, final thoughts, Chase, on the, on, on the, on the whole system, anything that's really, uh, striking you as, as really important or really interesting? Uh, I think this is going to allow a bunch of, um, kind of optimizations to happen that couldn't happen before. Um, a lot of, you know, future things like, um, that they're thinking about, which are, you know, it's crazy that you're trying to come up with this, uh, whole structure change of Ember 
but also have to think about things like angle bracket components, uh, tree shaking in the future, um, and all of these things are being planned for. So um, it's pretty cool that this is going to only you know enable some of them, but also it's a, a little hard to work around having to plan for things in the future like that. Yeah, well, and and the backward compat stuff too. So allowing migration forward too. So you have to look both side, both directions. You can't just like here's the thing that I want to exist. It's like here's the thing I want to exist and the paths, all of the myriad paths to get there, uh, from you know, and and how it can move forward too. So yeah, I definitely agree. That's going to be really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, the the one thing that I'm really excited about uh, when I think about this is uh, is just how cool it is that this is even possible. Because the reason this is possible, the reason we're able to do things like this is because Ember so heavily relies on convention over configuration. So we can actually, we, very smart people who are not necessarily me, can do really cool things in, by migrating uh, migrating a lot of uh, a lot of like complex things. And we can migrate it because they followed a convention, a standard. And this allows um, apps that were written a long time ago to be pushed forward into a new into a new style. Uh, it's it's really exciting, and this is not the first time we've seen this. We saw this with the template uh, the template engine templating engine being rewritten underneath the hood. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna be really interesting. Pods uh, pods alone was was a really cool thing. Just oh yeah, hey, you can do this too. Um, yeah, so the really the, um, the interesting thing about this is also that um, uh, Robert Jackson mentioned that um, a lot of the cool things that they could automatically do to move these files around couldn't be done with styles. Uh, because there were no conventions around styles. So there's just nothing they can do about it. Sorry, you know, you're going to have to manually do that. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like uh, the convention over configuration, you don't realize how much you get out of it until you go to do something like this and you realize what is possible. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. Um, but currently it's not possible with styles. We're not going to talk about it this week because it's like a whole nother, you know, 30 minute section. But um, Eric Brin's working on an, uh, a CSS add on. Uh, I believe it's called like Ember CSS. Yeah, like Ember, Ember Component CSS, I think. Yeah, something. It's uh, yeah, Ember Component CSS. That's what it was. Uh, he presented it like last year at EmberConf or something, um, and it was it was pretty cool then. But it's getting even better now. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some time in a couple weeks, uh, you know, to to talk about this. But this kind of plays along with this uh, this RFC. Your styles would also move into the places where the components that use them live. So that's pretty cool. Um, and hopefully, that means that if we can all sit, you know, solidify on this. Uh, that future changes to the module system, the CSS can move around with all the other stuff. So yeah. convention over configuration is definitely a huge win. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a huge it's a huge win. And the Ember component CSS is uh, is one tool in the toolbox. There's also a lot of movement around Flexi to uh, try to push, uh, like try to make some sense of CSS. So I'm excited to see uh, kind of how these things shake out. Uh, I'm I'm keeping an eye out, and I we watched the Flexi talk uh, by Chris Thoburn at GemConf uh, this past week. And uh, it was really exciting. So, all in all, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just really excited about all this stuff, uh, and I'm really eager to see it uh, play out. Yeah, totally. Thanks for listening to Ember Weekend. If you'd like to follow along, visit us at emberweekend.com, or you can find us at Ember Weekend, all one word, on Twitter, or subscribe via RSS. I'm Chase McCarthy, and I'm Jonathan Jackson, and we'll see you next weekend.